when a health visitor comes round to see a newborn baby, one of the things they'll do is wait to see whether it's putting on weight. It's probably the worst part of the visit. The baby might finally be sleeping peacefully, uh, but no matter, it has to have all its clothes taken off and be put on the weighing scales and it will cry and it will cry. Uh, And yet the parents put up with it because they love their baby and they want to know if it's growing. If children aren't growing, if they aren't putting on weight, then it's a, a very worrying thing. Well, most of us uh, today have stopped growing physically, uh, but the Christian never reaches the point where they stop growing spiritually. The Apostle Peter, in his second letter, uh, which we looked at recently in the evenings, gives the command, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Uh, So Peter says to us, grow. He, He says in his first letter, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. The Apostle Paul says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. But perhaps you're a relatively new Christian this morning, and your question is, well, how can I grow as a Christian? Or perhaps you're, you're concerned even because you look at your life and you ask, well, am I really growing as a Christian? How can I know? Or perhaps far more worryingly, you never really think about growing as a Christian at all. Or equally worryingly, you assume that because you've been coming to church for a, a long time, that, that you are a strong Christian and so that while, while new Christians might need to be doing things like uh, coming to church more often, reading their Bible every day, getting involved in, in Bible studies with, with other Christians as they have opportunities, you don't need to because you've been a Christian for longer. But if we're commanded multiple times in the New Testament to grow as Christians it's obviously an important topic for all of us. And so it's something I want us to think about uh, together today, today uh, near the start of this new year. It's also going to be a topic that James and I will seek to address in a new round of pastoral visitation that we're beginning. If you're new here, I as minister along with James as elder aim to visit every member of the congregation once a year. That's actually something which our church's book of government requires us to do. I I preached on the reasons for that about a year and a half ago. Why biblically we think it's, it's something that we should be doing. But these visits aren't, aren't just meant to be about small talk. Rather, we, we, we come to try and encourage your growth in grace. But what, is, what does it mean to grow in grace? And how can you do that? And so that's uh, something we plan to address this year, both through uh, this sermon uh, and then followed up through pastoral visits. Uh, this morning, we'll, we want to think of the subject of Christian growth under three headings. 
uh, saying firstly why it's important to grow as a Christian, secondly what does it mean to grow as a Christian and then thirdly how can I grow as a Christian. So, so the why, the, the what and the how. Uh, and then firstly, uh, this is page one, uh, why is it important to grow or sorry, page two for Donna. Why is it important to grow as a Christian? So, for the first point, why is it important to grow as a Christian? Imagine the health visitor phones up uh, to come round and see the new baby, and the, the parent answers the phone and says, well, you don't need to come. I'll send you a picture of his birth certificate, and uh, that'll show you that he's okay. Well, that would be ridiculous because a birth certificate doesn't prove that the baby is healthy or well. It doesn't even prove that the baby is alive. In order for the health visitor to be satisfied, they need to see the baby and they need to see signs of growth. They need to weigh her and measure her and see if her eyes can follow a shiny object, maybe do a hearing test. And in a similar way, perhaps someone has made a profession of faith in Christ 30 years ago, or if they don't know the date they became a Christian, they know the date that they met with the elders and were perhaps baptized and accepted into church membership. And those things are important dates, but they don't actually prove that someone is doing well as a Christian today and growing in their faith today. In fact, they don't even prove that the person was ever genuinely saved. But on the flip side, perhaps you struggle with assurance. And perhaps one of the reasons is because you can't point to a specific day or time when you first repented or believed. Uh, well, just in the, in the same way that being able to remember that date doesn't prove anything about your spiritual health now, it doesn't prove that you're spiritually well today. So not knowing that date uh, doesn't mean that you're not spiritually healthy now. None of us can remember the first physical breath we took, but we don't need to say, well, I don't remember my first breath. Am I alive? The important thing is whether we're breathing now. And of course, growth must be an ongoing thing. A parent can't say to the health visitor, sure, you, you saw the baby two weeks ago uh, and, and she was fine then. You don't need to come round again. And in the same way, just because a believer was doing well spiritually and growing two years ago, uh, five years ago, ten years ago, it, it doesn't mean they're still doing well and growing today. When it comes to our physical health, we, we can't say, no, I'm not going to the doctor because I went 10 years ago and he said I was okay. Uh, he said there was plenty of good positive signs. What counts is our health today. And it's the same with our spiritual health. There is no standing still in the Christian life. Either we'll be going forwards or we'll be going backwards. Why are many people unhappy with what they're getting paid at the moment? Well, because in many cases, wages aren't keeping up with inflation. And so in real terms, people are finding that they might be being paid more, and yet they're actually worse off. 
And certainly wages that, that stay the same are, are actually going backwards. And in the same way, Christians who aren't growing are actually going backwards. For, for a biblical illustration of this, think of the, the manna in the wilderness. The people weren't to rely on the previous day's manna because it grew worms and it stank. And that lesson is surely about daily reliance on God. Not relying on what God has given us yesterday or, or last week or last year. Our world is like a, like a river and, and its current is flowing in the opposite direction from God. And so to, so to stop swimming is to go backwards. It's to go in the wrong direction. Or think of Jesus' parables of the talents. Those who use and build on what they've been given are praised and rewarded. Whereas the one who doesn't use what he has, has it taken from him. Twice in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, For to the one who has, more will be given and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The message is, make use of what God has given you and you'll be given more. But if you don't make use of it, the little that you do have will be taken from you. It's so easy in the Christian life to drift and the consistent message of the Bible is that if we're not growing, if we're not making use of our privileges, then we'll start drifting. And before we know, uh, spiritually, we might be miles away. And maybe you feel that you are drifting in the Christian life. Well, if so, this is a good opportunity to start to uh, prayerfully address that. A final picture to, to, to think about onto this first point is the one Jesus uses in John 15 where, where he says that he is like the, the vine and we are like the branches. And he says if anyone doesn't abide in me and by implication doesn't bear fruit, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. Those branches that are attached to the tree but don't keep growing but just stay the same they will be cut off there are are two options for professing christians either bear fruit and be pruned so that you might bear more fruit or don't bear fruit and be cut off and thrown away so firstly this morning why it's important to grow as a christian but then secondly what does it mean to grow as a christian what does it mean to grow as a Christian? We know what it is for a baby to grow. But what does growing as a Christian look like? Does it mean knowing more about the Bible? Well, certainly that's part of it. But someone can know lots about the Bible and not even be a Christian. And so while you can't grow as a Christian apart from the Bible, growing as a Christian is about more than simply growing in knowledge. As Peter puts it in the verse from Second Peter, we referenced earlier, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
to grow in knowledge, yes, but also grow in grace. And what does growing in grace mean? Well, quite simply, it becomes more and more like Jesus, uh, the one on whose head grace is poured. To go back, back to another of the verses I quoted earlier, Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Jesus is the head of the church and we are the body. But in this body, this uh, mystical body, the head doesn't need to grow because he is and always has been perfect. But the body needs to grow to match the head. Or to come at the question from a slightly different angle. Why did God save you? Why did God save you? How would you answer that question? Well, here's how Paul answers the question of why God save us, why God saved us, why God chose us. In Romans 8, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So God predestined us not simply to be saved, not simply even in order that we might go to heaven, but to be conformed, to be made like the image of his Son, to be made like Jesus. And so again, to grow as a Christian is to become more like Jesus. And growth in knowledge is a means to that end. But whether we are like Jesus or not will be seen most clearly in how we act rather than what we know. How we react to difficult circumstances. Whether like Jesus we go about doing good whether like Jesus we, we want to serve or whether we just really want to be served. Paul makes the contrast in Ephesians 4 between spiritual children and the spiritually mature. He talks about attaining to maturity and then says so that we may no longer be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and every wind of doctrine. So clearly there needs to be a growth in knowledge so that we aren't like a boat with no anchor waiting to be tossed about like every wind of doctrine. Boys and girls, why is it important for you to learn about the Bible? Well, God says if you, if you, if you aren't learning the truth, you'll be like a little boat in the middle of a storm with no anchor, with, with nothing to hold it down. And, and people will tell you things and you'll, you'll just accept them. And so we need to know the, the truth of the Bible so we're not like that little boat being tossed about in the storm. There are many parts of the Christian church today where the slogan is, Doctrine Divides. Uh, doctrine Divides. Uh, churches where sermons are more like inspirational talks. Uh, they are, are shallow and as a result the people in the pew are too. But that's so dangerous because it leaves people with a faith that's unlikely to hold when hard times come. Uh, and it leaves people... Uh, like those little boats ready to be carried away by every new teaching and every wind of doctrine. It leaves us as sitting ducks for false teachers. And so growth in knowledge is essential. 
but not just knowledge. Because Paul immediately goes on to say, it's about not, not being like children, and then he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. So learning more truth isn't enough in and of itself, unless we are also growing in likeness to Christ and able to speak the truth in love. Sadly, there's a phenomenon today uh, known as the cage stage Calvinist. Uh, such a, a, a character, I think, has always existed, uh, though the, the name is more recent. Uh, this is the person, usually a young man, who has discovered the truth of predestination and who wants to use his newfound knowledge to start arguments, uh, which is in complete contrast to what our confession of faith says uh, when it says, uh, the, the doctrine of this high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care and that it is meant to lead to praise, reverence, admiration of God and humility, diligence and abundant consolation to all who sincerely obey the gospel. But so often a doctrine that's meant to, to make us humble leads to pride. Such people may pride themselves that they are mature believers, but actually their failure to speak the truth in love shows how immature they really are. So Christian growth is about character. It's about likeness to Christ. Growing in knowledge is part of that, but it's only part But what if someone were to ask, well, well, what does likeness to Christ look like in practice? Well, we see Jesus' character in the Gospels, of course, and we are to imitate it. And we also see Jesus' character in the fruit of the Spirit. Even that title, the, the fruit of the Spirit, is a helpful reminder that Christian maturity isn't something we, we produce in ourselves. But rather it's something which God, by His Spirit, works in us. Uh, though certainly we're called to, to put effort in. And the fruit of the Spirit summarizes what to grow as a Christian uh, looks like, what to grow into the image of Christ looks like. It looks like growing in love. It, it looks like growing in joy, growing in peace, growing in patience, growing in kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You may be growing it in knowledge, but are you growing in these things? Perhaps you're here this morning and you'd love to be growing in those things that you, you, you hope you are, but you're not sure whether you are. Well, it is hard to see our own growth, isn't it? Just like we don't really notice ourselves growing physically. Other people will, will look at our children and say, see how they've grown. But we only, we only realize that when we, when we look back at old photos. It can be hard to see your own growth. But just because you can't see it, don't necessarily despair that you aren't growing. This is one of the reasons why it's important to be part of a community of God's people. Because others can see what we can't see ourselves. Others can see what we can't see ourselves. And that works both ways. That They might notice drift that we haven't noticed. Maybe they say, 
uh, I've noticed you've, you've been missing church a bit more often lately and, and we haven't realised or, or by, by God's grace they, they might have the courage to say to us well I'm just wondering if how you reacted to that person or, or what you did in that situation was really the best way to go about it but they also might see evidences of growth in grace that we don't see ourselves uh, and perhaps they might point that out to us to encourage us Certainly that's something that, that James and I will seek to do in our pastoral visits if, if we can't do it at all. Uh, uh, perhaps we'll, we'll be sitting with someone who, who's struggling to know whether they, they even really are a Christian. Uh, uh, and if, if, if we see evidence of, of grace in their life, we will seek to, to share that with them. Uh, we'll seek to encourage them by, by pointing out the fruit of the Spirit in their life. So what does it mean to grow as a Christian? Well, it means to become more like Jesus. It means that the Spirit of Jesus uh, producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That, that includes the growth in, in knowledge, in information, but, but not in knowledge, simply in information that's divorced from loving relationships with God's people. Then thirdly and finally today, uh, uh, how can I grow as a Christian? How can I grow as a Christian? Page 7 for Donna. There are, are two biblical pictures of how to grow as a Christian that I want us to think about. Not two different ways to grow, not two different paths to growth, but two different ways of describing what the process looks like. The first one is probably one we're used to thinking about, and that is that we grow by eating food. The newborn baby analogy is one that Peter, uh, in the Bible, uses. Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. So, so boys and girls, just as, as you need to grow, just as little babies need to grow up, so we need to grow as Christians by, by learning more about God and by becoming more like Jesus in how we live. Babies need milk in order to grow and so do Christians. And the milk obviously comes from God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Some of you have been sick lately and as a result you've been off your food. But that is the exception for any of us because we need to eat normally we need to eat and so if we're so sick that we can't even face food if we can't keep it down it will leave us feeling weak in order to grow in order to remain healthy physically we need food and in order to grow spiritually we need spiritual food and so that's why at a pastoral visit, we often ask about things like Bible reading, family worship, if you have a family, church attendance. Because without them as regular features of your life, you won't be growing as a Christian. And the main means of grace, the main thing that God uses to help you grow as a Christian is, well, what would you say? It's the preaching of the word. <coughs> That's not what the average 21st century evangelical thinks when they think about uh, feeding on God's word. I think 
we, we instinctively tend to think of, of Bible reading, our own personal Bible reading. Uh, but, but the Bible tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing. Uh, yes, it can come by, by reading too, certainly, but primarily by hearing. Uh, I quoted Jesus' words from Matthew's Gospel earlier when he said, For to the one who has, more will be given. Luke records the same words, probably another occasion where, where Jesus said the same thing. But on that occasion, he began by saying, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. So when he says that we need to, to use what we have, he's talking about how we hear God's word. So, so this biblical principle of using what God gives you, Jesus himself applies it to preaching. He says, take care then how you hear. There's a fairly prevalent mindset which says, well, as long as I read the Bible by myself, it doesn't matter if I, if I miss church here or there, or, or you know, if there's something else on, maybe I'll, uh, it doesn't matter if I go to church. But, but Jesus would say two things to that attitude. He would say, firstly, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then he would say, take care then how you hear. So how do you grow as a Christian? You grow by feeding. In fact, the only two options you have are feeding your relationship with Jesus or starving it. Perhaps the idea of starving your relationship with Jesus sounds like something no Christian would ever do, but... But how do you starve a plant? How do you starve an animal? Just don't give it anything to eat. Don't water the plant. Don't feed the pet. You don't have to actively do anything bad to it. You just need to stop doing what you need to do to keep it alive. If your, your friend asks you to water their plants while they're away on holiday, well... Well, if you want to destroy their plants, you don't need to go around and, and tear them out and smash the pots. All you do is just, just don't do anything and the plants will die. And in the same way, all you really need to do in 2023 to starve your relationship with Jesus is, is don't give any time to it. Make sure there's always plenty of noise and, and busyness in the background. Don't take time to sit there with just your Bible and a, maybe a notebook and pen. Don't uh, keep Sunday special. Come to church in the morning if you must and then immediately go back to the world and forget about what you've heard. Apply the sermon to others but not yourself. And avoid opportunities that you're given to spend time with other Christians. And that's six easy steps right there to starve your relationship with Jesus. And they don't really require you to do anything. Relationships die if we don't work on them. And that's true of our relationship with Jesus as well. So you grow by, by feeding, but you also grow by looking, by looking. We see this particularly clearly in uh, that last verse we, we read in our Bible reading from 2 Corinthians 3 where Paul writes, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
Let's go back for a moment to the, the second of our three questions today. What does it mean to grow as a Christian? It ultimately means to become like Jesus. And here in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul tells us how we become like Jesus. And how does that happen? By beholding the glory of the Lord. This isn't separate from the idea of feeding, but rather Paul is reminding us what we should be doing as we read the Bible and as we listen to sermons. Above all, we should be beholding the glory of the Lord. Because anyone can read the Bible every day. Anyone can grow in knowledge about the Bible and about Jesus. But surely that's not the same as beholding the glory of the Lord. We can read a chapter of the Bible. We can answer questions. Someone asks us about the chapter. And yet we can never in the whole process have beheld the glory of the Lord. Remember what Jesus said to the unbelieving Jews. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Were they right to, to search the scriptures? Yes, uh, because as Jesus went on to say, it is they that bear witness about me. And yet those same G Jews refused to come to Jesus that they might have life. A really important principle to grasp is that we become like what we behold. We become like what we behold. In other words, we become like what we look at and what we fill our minds with. We see that, for example, in Psalm 115, verse 8, where we have a description of idols of silver and gold, and then we're told, those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. And, and do we not see that in our society? People become like their idols. Someone idolises a footballer and they want to get their hair cut the same way. They want to live like them. And someone else idolises a celebrity and they start to dress like them. They start to talk like them. Consciously or unconsciously, we become like what we fill our minds with. And that's, that's a terrible thing if we're, we're filling our minds with, uh, with idols or, or human beings, created things. But it's a glorious thing if our, our trust is in Jesus and we're filling our minds with him. And so when we read the Bible by ourselves, we need to be looking for Jesus in order that we might behold his glory. From the Old Testament particularly, we need to look for Jesus to behold his glory, but also from the New, because in the New Testament, there's, there are people around Jesus all the time, and they, they see the things that we're reading about, but they see, but they don't see, they don't behold his glory. It means that when we come to church, one of my great responsibilities is to show you Jesus. I've preached in at least one pulpit before where there's been a little note stuck to the inside of the pulpit that only the minister can see. It contains words taken from John chapter 12. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And if that is your wish, then pray for me and pray for others who stand in this pulpit that we would show you Jesus. But just as we bring things to a close this morning, 
I think what we've looked at so far today would be vital if I didn't add that you also grow by serving. You also grow by serving. A baby might be eating okay, it might be growing, but if it never started rolling over, sitting up, crawling or walking, its muscles would waste away, it would not be healthy. And in the same way, perhaps someone reads their Bible every day, they come to church twice on Sundays, but but they won't be a healthy Christian if they're not serving in some way or other. When David told his son Solomon to build the temple, David said to Solomon, Son, I've provided everything you need, just like Jesus has provided everything we need. And so what was Solomon's rule? What is our rule David says to him, Arise and work, the Lord be with you. Or or, uh, as another version puts it, Arise and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. I love that. Arise and be doing. How many need to hear that verse? Uh, Commenting on the verse, the Puritan Richard Sibbs says, Grace is strengthened by the exercise of it. Your body is strengthened not by diet alone, but by exercise. And it's the same with your relationship with God. You know, the, the, maybe the bottle of, of fruit juice that you have in the fridge, it says it's one of your, your five a day, but it also tells you uh, that you need to exercise on it. And, and when we come to, to our Bibles, uh, it's as if they have that sort of label too. Yes, we need to, to read, but we also need to exercise Uh, and so at a pastor visit, we, we might talk about what service in the church might look like for, for someone at their particular stage in life, which, which will differ. Uh, many of you don't need an invitation to, to serve from day one. You have been serving in the church. But perhaps others need to hear the exhortation, arise and be doing. Because otherwise, no matter how good your diet is, you'll grow flabby. You'll never become a strong Christian. Uh, and in turn, if, if, we, if, if we're not exercising, then it'll, it'll probably affect our, our diet as well. And in fact, if you're not exercising, if you're not doing, if you're not serving, the fruit of the Spirit won't develop in you because the fruit of the Spirit is all about our, our relationships with one another. It's about the love, patience and kindness that are seen or not seen as we interact with one another. The internet is full of Christians who are very knowledgeable about certain things and are able to debate theological minutiae. But you wonder how much salt and light many of them are in their actual real life communities. You wonder if they ever serve others in their church or or if they even go to church. You wonder how many non-Christians they're trying to build relationships with in order to share the gospel. But Jesus has given us everything we need, not to get into endless debates, but to serve him in a dark world. So make use of those resources. Arise and be doing. Amen. Well, let's praise the God who saves us and then gives us work to do for him by singing Psalm 18. Psalm 18, it's verses 24 to 29 on page 29.
Psalm 18, starting at verse 24. We sing in verse 24 of God saving us, saving us of him turning our darkness to light. Uh, the one who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, so he lights our lamp, he lights our candle. But then verse 25, uh, we, we sing of what God enables us to do. Uh, when David told Solomon to arise and be doing, he was someone who had already set an example. He, he writes here about charging a troop of men and leaping over a wall with God's help. And we can apply that to our endeavours for God today. Again, verse 28, he trains my hands for war. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And so we might know lots about the Bible, but do we use it in spiritual warfare? Do we bring it to bear in our discussions with unbelievers? And then finally, the last line of verse 29, your kindness makes me grow. Your kindness makes me grow. Growth comes from the Holy Spirit as we look to Jesus, the personification of the fruit of the Spirit and the one in whom we see God's kindness most clearly. So verses 24 to 29, we'll stand to sing.